0: Coming up on this week's show, we get a load of retro gaming nostalgia with the guys from Arcade Attack.
2: Our first look at the TurboGrafx mini-games.
0: And we've finally seen footage
3: of Beyond a Steel Sky,
0: but is it any good? This week's show is brought to you by The Economist, the smart guide to the forces changing your world. And Beer52, the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Hello and welcome to the Retro Hour podcast, episode number 188, your weekly dose of retro gaming and technology news with me, Dan Wood. Me, Ravi Abbott. And
2: me, Joe Fox. And
0: welcome along to this week's show. Great to have you joining us again. You know, actually, I was thinking the other day in one of my kind of down moments when I was just, you know, gaze away and think about what's going on in the world. What a wonderful medium podcasting really is. You think about podcasting, I mean... We started on YouTube originally before we started doing a podcast, didn't we? Yeah. And I love YouTube and obviously it's, you know, the go-to place for a lot of people for retro gaming, but you can take podcasting with you anywhere.
3: And the great thing about podcasting is I find that it will never change because you you can put anything you want on that RSS feed. Yeah. You know, there's there's no kind of censorship over podcasting. It, it is really true free media.
1: No
0: one owns it. Yeah, yeah. that's a good point. And. You know, if you're somewhere where you've maybe got really bad internet, you can still get a podcast on your phone. doesn't take up much bandwidth. If you're driving, you can't watch YouTube when you're in your car. Well, I mean, you could technically, but not advisable. A podcast you can take anywhere with you. And we get pictures of, I mean, thinking of the places people listen to Retro Hour, we've had a couple of pictures of people in front of the Sydney Opera House sending us oh, pictures. Yeah.
3: But also, uh, a thing that people don't know about us is we're also podcast addicts ourselves. Yeah. So <laughs> we're always listening to every kind of retro gaming podcast out there and there's tons of them that are really fantastic
0: now this week we're going to be doing our first crossover episode so we're going to join forces with another very popular british retro gaming podcast now these are a group of guys who do a show called arcade attack going to be joined by adrian dill and rob these guys have been doing their podcast longer than us actually i think um and they've had some incredible guests on too so if you like our show you've got to check them out and i actually binge listened to a load of their episodes when we were over in norway at uh, Retro Messen. Because we had a bit of time when, you know, we, you were doing stuff, I was doing stuff in the day. And we didn't get, there was no Uber there, so we had to walk everywhere. And so I was walking for like, you know, probably about five, six hours a day in yeah, Norway. Yeah. So in my ears, I listened to a load of their episodes back to back and found them really interesting. And we all, you know, we're all all similar age kind of guys on the show. And we all kind of share this collective memory of this incredible age of video games so it's going to be great to kind of get some of their stories too so we're going to be joined by first time we've done this hooking up with another podcast the lads from arcade attack are going to be joining us on the retro hour in around 15 minutes from now now before we get to that we've got some incredible stories that we're going to talk about including this is really interesting it seems and may be a bit of a retro gaming gold rush on at the moment with people who you wouldn't expect to be into retro gaming coming into it. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Now, before we do, let's give a huge thank you to a big supporter of the Retro Hour podcast. And these are our very good friends at The Economist. Now, The Economist helps you get prepared for what is happening in the world around you. And they sift through all that noise that's out there. I mean, you know, we look at it right now, how much false information and stuff that you read about on social media that's just not true. It's more important than ever that you get the real facts about things that are important. And The Economist has been around for 170 years. And they cover so much in there as well. The economy, finance, world politics, business... Technology is obviously more important in the world now than it's ever been. And they cover video games too. Now, every week we have a little look through The Economist. and We find, you know, a lot of stuff in there we find interesting. But you picked something out that you've been reading about this week that you thought was really good.
3: Yeah, because we like to talk about kind of hacking culture and, you know, subverting things. Uh, As you guys have probably all seen on the news with the Hong Kong protests, there's a a kind of massive way of hiding yourself at the moment. So there's a lot of facial recognition that's been taken out in the world and it's actually spreading around the world pretty quickly now you may have noticed those laser pens that everybody's got in the chinese protests and they're trying to put them into the cameras to confuse them and subvert them well there's a few methods that have actually been developed that they're talking about in this article and they're pretty interesting there's one called cv dazzle and that's basically camouflage uh from face detection but using hair makeup to create these kind of strange patterns and so what you can do is you can print out one of these hair patterns and then cut it out gel your hair into that <laughs>
0: <laughs> position and it, a qr code yeah and, it, and they also
3: know um which camera systems it defeats? So yeah. a lot of people are using the Israeli camera systems at the moment. Those are the ones used in Britain, and this defeats them. But also, there's an artist who's created a thing called Hyperface. Now, Hyperface is a camouflage pattern. I've actually got a T-shirt. I've a, seen you wearing it at home, yeah. <laughs> and it convinces. Never leave the house without it, rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> it convinces all the cameras that you're about a hundred people. So they're now developing clothing that's going to have this in so as this scary facial recognition
0: comes in also an alternative does it's a nightmare to tag ravi on facebook though <laughs> it? all your friends list comes up but i mean this is the kind of stuff that's happening in the world around us and the kind of things you can read about in the economist and we'd like to give you your own free copy of the economist now if you live in the uk you've got to do this right now get your phone and text the word retro And send that to 78070. We want to give you your own free print copy of The Economist through your door so you can check it out for yourself. Now, all you have to do is text RETRO and send it to 78070 to get your own free copy of The Economist, The Smart Guide to the Forces Changing Your World. Now, recently, we've been hyped about all these, you know, mini consoles, some of them more than others. But I think the one that we were talking a couple of weeks ago with um, Happy Console Gamer who was our guest, who was a big fan of the uh, Turbo Graphics, Not a system that we really got much of over here in the UK. And we were all saying that we were actually quite keen to get our hands on the TurboGrafx Mini because it's going to be a library of games that we are probably not too familiar with. But now we finally know what's going to be on there.
3: Yeah, yet another Gamescom announcement, this one is. And uh, this is the TurboGrafx 16 Mini. And they've kind of talked about quite a few titles that are coming. So there's going to be 50 titles coming out for this machine but also the price which is going to be around a £100. Not bad. Yeah, there's a few people that were saying that this is too expensive but I think maybe it's going to hit that bracket of you have to think the people that are going to buy this PC engine and they're going to be the real hardcore gamers and kind of Maybe they want that high end quality experience with it that's if if it does come out in a nice quality and it doesn't feel tacky and plastic.
0: you make a good point there because I think something like the the PlayStation for example, because that was such a mainstream platform, you can get them at a car boot sale for like fifteen quid, but the turbo graphics is it feels something a lot more premium
2: yeah, I mean I'm just looking at it, and i wasn't I'm not too clued up about the uh, Turbo Graphics all I knew it was Turbo Graphics mini in America the PC engine uh, in uh, in Japan yeah now <laughs> i've been doing my research on this it's actually going to be called the PC engine core graphics mini in the uk okay so uh which is quite interesting i don't even know I'm, I'm i'm hoping somebody messaged me about this and i need to do my research but i'm assuming that's what it was called when it kind of came out
0: yeah we've got a few messages because we talked about it last week like did yeah. it ever actually come out in the uk yeah and i'm not too sure yeah some people said it didn't actually it was only on gray import or, or it was right, a limited okay. quantity so, so i've you know. never seen them so, so, yeah,
2: so we've got the core graphics mini coming to uh the uk france italy and it will also be available in Japan. But yeah, I am concerned. It's coming out at a hundred pounds, the same as the PlayStation Mini, PlayStation Classic. What's the build quality gonna be looking like? What's the system gonna be looking like? But I'm hoping they've really, really hoping they've learned from the Sony's mistakes. And you know, it is good and people are curious about it. Because I'm curious about it, because solely because I don't know a lot about it.
0: Well, I'm looking through the games list that they've announced. Now, we have got the full lineup here as well. Um, 26 for the PC Engine, um, 24 for the Graphics 16 and, you know, these are exclusives to each one. In total, 50 games have yeah. announced here. So some of them actually I do know. Um, we've got stuff on there like R-Type, for example, Space Harrier. Splatterhouse, um, Also, Parasol Stars, which I don't know if you guys remember that game.
3: Oh, love that game. Yeah, yeah Parasol Stars was wicked. It was that like the a- follow-up to
0: Bubble Bobble, Rainbow Islands? Yeah, yeah, it, yeah.
3: Uh, it was uh, connected to the Rainbow Islands world, wasn't it, as well,
0: yeah. yeah and and Bonk's it- Revenge. Yeah, and Bomberman 93. I mean, Bomberman 94. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there is actually quite a bit on here that I do recognise that were obviously cross-platform games that came out on other machines as well. But even then, I'm interested to play them to see what they're like on this, you know, superior hardware yeah. to what I had at home at the time.
2: I think what might be a bit of a system seller for some. It's a system seller for me. Is a uh, Dracula X is coming to it, which is actually Castlevania Five, and I think this is the original version of it because of, there was like a dumbed down, butchered version for for the Super Nintendo. So if this is the correct, the right version, which I think it is, I think that could be a bit of a system seller for some people as well because it is for me because I yeah. love Castlevania. So,
0: and I think it's just again like we were saying last week, it's a system I've got absolutely no experience with. Yeah. and I want to. I'm, I'm curious. I want to try it out. And I think for 100 quid, it's it's not a bad value with all the games included. Because the only other way is to emulate it. And I'm not a big fan of emulation. Mm. Especially systems when you, you don't really know mm. what the games mm. are meant to play like. Because you don't know if it's accurate emulation.
2: Yeah, that's true. That's a good point, actually. You're like, is this is this the original music? Because obviously music can be quite yeah. a difficult thing to emulate sometimes. So yeah, that's a very interesting
0: point. Well, there's a guy actually, I mean, just kind of talking on that. I was watching on YouTube the other day, I did the search for a couple of games um, that I used to play in my Commodore Plus 4 back yeah. in the day, and the guy put a game up that was one of my favourites, but the colour palette was completely back to front. It was, like, negative. Oh, OK. And the whole video was commentating about how awful the graphics are and the colours, and all the comments are like, oh, my God, who picked that colour palette? Someone who's colorblind." But again, it's because he didn't play the original. He didn't know it wasn't yeah, meant to look yeah. like that. And I listened to a comment, you know, the few screenshots saying, you might have to check it out here and check your emulation settings. Yeah, yeah. So I think that is, you know, it's, that's a big point. That's interesting. You want to get it spot on. Yeah. Now they're saying it's going to be out on uh, March the 19th, 2020, which um, no, it's, it's September next week. I'll be here before we know it, I'm sure. Um, I think, I, I don't really buy the mini consoles, but I think I will this one.
2: I think I'm definitely going to pick this one up. I'm just looking through the game list as well. And we've got Snatcher on there as well. Yeah. Uh, so this is actually an affordable way of playing Snatcher without
0: emulating it. So are you guys gonna buy it? Well it's nice to you know it's nice to get your feedback. If you are on Twitter actually, why don't you drop a little tweet at Retro UK, will you be buying the TurboGrafx sixteen mini? Me?
3: Yeah will you? Yeah. I've, I've bought no minis, no, I'm not interested in
1: them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh,
0: yeah, I'll be buying it. <laughs> I
3: like biggies.
0: Release <laughs> <laughs> well, a full size and yeah, remote. Yeah. <laughs> actually, It's not just the mini consoles that everyone's going crazy for in the world of retro gaming. I was reading this on uh, Kotaku, a really interesting article, talking about people that are collectors of different genres and now coming into retro gaming. I I
3: find this whole thing completely vile. I think uh, (laughs) these guys need to go back to collecting comics and get the hell out of retro gaming because they're (laughs) price driving. I've just read this thing in this article. Daniel Smith spent... Danielle. half Danielle she Danielle. spent mm-hmm. she spent half a million dollars on rare games. that's disgusting and she yeah only in the last like,
2: nine months go yeah. away I mean <laughs> if you delve into the article, I guess it's kind of saving grace that makes me feel a little bit better is they're only dealing in sealed games, yeah, so they're not dealing in you know just cartridges and open battered boxes and stuff like that. She's only after sealed games, but it does feel like. They are driving prices up, which I know Ravi absolutely hates. Yeah, because um, even this article is going on about how it's how expensive some some games are, and you're just like, even just doing that drives the price of. The, but but the what what they're also up.
3: doing is they're creating a market where they're getting these people that are valuing the games that are putting grading on it like yeah. a baseball card, like a uh a thing and that's also driving it up and then yeah people are thinking i've got to get this game i've got to get it graded now and it's just completely ridiculous i think uh there's better things to spend money on um than uh buying games for kind of you know investment purposes yeah, rather I, than actually enjoying them i feel for a comic book collector
2: who's got half a million pounds half a million dollars or whatever it is spare cash just to kind of go into that market and just start buying it just for the sake of trying to make more money out of it. I hope just, they're
3: all fakes. Just, <laughs> <laughs> it just feels a little bit
0: soulless, do you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I mean, she's saying she's actually sold off a lot of her comic collection to buy games. And I mean, okay, people, oh, okay. people's interests do change over yeah, time. I yeah, heard that. Fair. And, and there are people, I mean... I'd never spend that. I mean, I couldn't spend that kind of money on these games. It just feels
3: like unfair. Like you know, if someone's been collecting games for like ten years and they've got every single one and they've gone round and they've found them, and then some rich dude just comes and buys a whole collection. It's just like, ah, it's yeah, great, you, you know what I mean? I it's, do get uh, that. Some
0: people have maybe just come along and have suddenly got, like, every NES game and they bought it all in five months. And it's like there are people out there that have been trying to get that for 35 years. Yeah, yeah. That's the yeah. way of the world, isn't it, you know? Life ain't fair, I guess. So yeah. It does kind of prove that, you know, retro gaming is just reaching, you know, far and beyond what we ever expected. Crazy like five years yeah. ago. So it's nuts. I'll link that up in our show notes if you want to read more about that at theretroout.com. Now, where it all started, of course, was the arcades. And there's always something about an arcade cabinet. I mean, I've always had these dreams of like, you know, maybe on a week off, getting some nice wood, getting some tools, making my own cabinet, painting it up. I probably couldn't ever do that because I've got no skills to do it. Or finding an old battered arcade machine, restoring it. I've always wanted an arcade machine in my house. Unfortunately, selling that dream to the missus hasn't been all that successful for me so far.
2: I think I might be able to sell the dream of this next article to my wife. Go on, there we go. (laughs) (laughs) So arcade one-up games cabinets are coming to the UK, which I think is really, really, really interesting. And I think the selling point for some people is, like you just said, it's the issue of having the space, but these are three-fourth scale, so they're about four foot tall, and you build them yourself. So they can kind of, you know, snug just in a corner, you know, And I'm sure you can convince your missus, Dan, that there's space in the spare room for one. <laughs> um, the spare
0: room's getting pretty crowded
2: out <laughs> But they do look pretty cool. Um, they're going to be coming out. There's a couple of them announced for the UK, but we haven't got a date yet. Uh, they're going to be coming out for £250 it's each. It's not bad. Which isn't bad. And they've not just, they're not just one game. They do look like, oh, it's just that one game. But uh, there's a Pac-Man one coming out, which has got Pac-Man and Pac-Man Plus on it. Gallagher, Gallagher it. cabinet as well, which is going to have Gallagher and Galaxian on it, and then the most interesting one for me is the Marvel superheroes one, which is going to have Marvel superheroes, X Men, Children, of the Atom, and the Punisher on there. Are oh, they doing, a Street II cabinet,
0: aren't I, I doing say, the Street Fighter Two cabinet? I must say, Street
2: Fighter Two cabinet as well, which will come with three Street Fighters. That's awesome.
3: When I went to America in Walmart, they had all of these everywhere, yeah, you said, and yeah. they were awesome. They looked really good. They would had a yeah. a kind of display stand like the pre-built model, yeah. you could have a go on that and then they had all the flat pack ones at the how back.
2: Did you have a go on it?
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, how
2: how it, did it feel on your back? That's the interesting that thing That was the thing,
3: it's a little bit short, you know. Yeah, because they're so, four foot, aren't they? It kind of seems to me that, like... By making it short that aiming for teenagers and kids and maybe the mum will go like, Oh, okay, we can get in that, you know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I mean I'd Or, or for... short
0: answers like me. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean from what I understand they don't weigh a very they don't weigh. No, very they're much. pretty
0: light. But... So
2: you can probably, you know, put it on a unit or something like that if you wanted yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. You, you
3: could probably raise it up.
0: Yeah. Yeah. These are not really for like arcade enthusiasts. So. I mean, they've got a flat screen in there, not a CRT, which is no real arcade. Proper veteran would ever be seen dead with a flat screen, there.
2: but it's a, it's an alternative solution yeah. for the common man. I guess.
0: Yes. Yeah,
3: but That's I'm, I'm trying to think how they're going to stock it in the UK because when I when you go to Walmart, you can buy anything—guns, bicycles, whatever—you <laughs> know, the whole <laughs> That's lot's a very there. Good so point, actually, I'm wondering what kind of retailers are going to stock this. I would
2: imagine Argos, maybe Red Five, Argos, yeah, yeah, online, Amazon, maybe Asda will probably
0: have a
3: few. Maybe Game might yeah, have I a few in it. there, or yeah. you know.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. It's I, I do think it's very cool. And I think it is kind of, it's always a dream of gamers of like our generation who we've always wanted an arcade at home. And there is yeah. still a lot of that, I think, out there, yeah. isn't there? I think the games they're picking as well. I mean, it is, you know, it's 80s to mid 90s stuff, really. Yeah. So it's obviously aiming at that kind of 30s. And I guess it's good
3: to start in America because they're very arcade based. Well, there's quite you know, a few in out in America. Like they've yeah. got the
2: Mortal Kombat one out, which was really popular. And that came out around the same time as Mortal Kombat 11. So, I wonder if they bring that one over. I'm sure there'll well.
3: be ways to mod it as well. So.
2: Yeah, 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 get Doom on there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and just playing those games with arcade quality controls. Yeah. And that is a big part of it, isn't it? I mean, trying to play it on like your Xbox at home with a control, it never feels right.
2: No, I always end up playing them with the D pad, you know, whenever playing these arcade games and stuff on console because of, it just doesn't feel right with the analog stick. Whereas, obviously, these will hopefully have that nice click to them. And so. they better
0: be strong because I used to- Bash Arcade. Yeah, on. you still do.
3: <laughs> I think they're probably made of MDF, yeah.
0: It
1: <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah.
3: falls apart. Me, let me, let me, let me.
0: <laughs> now, before we get into um, this week's crossover episode with our good friends from Arcade Attack, let's talk about Beneath the Steel Sky. Now, this was, I mean, Joe asked me before, he goes, what's Beneath the Steel Sky? You weren't much of a point-and-click gamer back in the day. No, not really. I mean, Ravi were, though, and, like, this was a game that came out, I want to say, about '93, Yeah. And it was um, set in a kind of... Futuristic blade runner kind cyber-punk-y of cyberpunky world. world. Yeah, and it was um, it was a great point and click adventure game, and I actually played it through again. Maybe not last summer, a year before the talky version, I played through. It
3: was and made it, by Revolution, wasn't it? Yeah, it
0: was. Yeah, and that, that was a great game, and I remember getting the that as a cover disc on Amiga format originally, and like you know, just what a great atmosphere that game had. And then we heard last year they're going to be doing. Not a reboot, but a sequel. All these
3: years later. Yeah, and this is with the original Re- revolution guys, so uh, Charles Seal. And you know, when we originally saw the screenshots, I'm going to admit it. I, 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 said that it looked crap. And what
0: we did on the show at the time, we're like, "Does mm, it really going to work? Yeah. So how does it look? It's modern, obviously. Yeah.
3: Yeah, it's modern. It's got a kind of a, a cartoony like look, but it's got that like solid texture. Yeah. Thing going on that that looks good and you know i was i was thinking "Eh, it's not amazing until i saw the gameplay footage that they've just released and this is very interesting um there's lots of elements in the game that i didn't think they'd have before so whatever you do in the game affects the world around it and changes the character so it's one of these kind of decision based games now yes, so it really
0: do affect the outcome of the game yeah sure. but
3: it's also in a sandbox but there's a narrative that's built into the sandbox so i don't know if you go to certain parts different things change you talk to different people which is a really cool idea for a uh rpg actually
0: yeah it, it does give like a proper it brings it in the 21st century it gives you yeah. a kind of feel to it and i think looking i mean some people comment the animation could be improved i think it looks good enough i think it actually it looks smooth
3: yeah and i guess this is like a little um you know test version but also there's another thing which was essential in the original one which was humor and joey the robot was this little partner that would follow him around and uh,
0: you put him in a vacuum cleaner yeah yeah. and it
3: provided a lot of humor and i've just seen in the trailer and there's like joey the robot stuck to a magnet and bouncing around, and I'm like, oh my God, Joey's in there. So <laughs> I've totally changed my mind. <laughs> I want to play this. They yeah. had to have Joey
0: back in it, didn't they? Yeah. Now, they are saying the game's going to be out um, later on this year. So hopefully, you should get it for Christmas uh, for consoles, PC, and Apple devices later in 2019. So, everyone check out the trailer. I think it's shipping up to be pretty good, actually. I- I'm going to get this. I'm hyped yeah. right for it. Just getting a follow up story to one of my favorite games. And I
3: like that idea that, you know, the game experience isn't going to be the same yeah. every time, depending on what you do.
0: So wanna check out that trailer, I'll put it in our show notes at theretrohour.com. dot com. I'm drinking coffee at the moment. You got something a bit more exciting over there, Revit. Oh god. Oh, yeah, your magical yeah, box. Yeah, I've I've got a magical <laughs> box of
3: beer that you haven't actually let me look at yet. It so. keeps saying,
0: Can I open it now? It's like, it's like Christmas morning with this boy. There it is. How nice of you look. <laughs> now, the reason that we've got beer on our desk is because this week's show is brought to you by some very good friends of ours. Our friends at Beer52 are back. How much do we love Beer52? Oh, yeah. We've always said there is nothing better, no greater match in the world than beer and video games. So, if you're not familiar with Beer52, they are absolute pioneers the world's most popular craft beer discovery club now every month you get eight craft beers with different themes they've done stuff in the past like california norway belgium amsterdam loads of countries around the world and of course you know they're true to the roots they cover lots of areas of britain as well and your first box will be sent to you next day and contain beer from all over europe so we'd like to give you a crate of your own beer 52 beer now you boys are a bit distracted at the moment looking through the beers in there what's in the what's in the box yeah so they've got
3: a good selection of stuff actually there's um a lot of amber ales there's some really strange ipas as well blackberry milkshake oh we're gonna try that but they've got snacks as well so you've got a little curry roasted chickpeas here and there's a Oh, God. It's full of stuff, basically. It
2: just keeps them going and going. You can hear me. <laughs> I'm in the background,
3: guys. <laughs> but and this think... is really nice because I'm a big, big fan of pale ale, and this is a complete kind of pale ale box.
0: And that is the thing about beer 52. You can tailor it to your preferences. So if you know if you don't like dark beers, you can have whatever you want, and then you can also rate and review all the beers that you've collected on their website as well. Now, we'd like to give you your own free box from Beer 52. And actually, if you sign up within the next two weeks, you get two extra free beers. So that is a total of 10 free beers as well. So all you have to do, if you'd like it, and this will be sent next day, you can be enjoying it starting next week. It'll contain beer from all over Europe. And the good thing about Beer 52 is they don't hold you to a ransom. You can leave absolutely anytime you want. So if you'd like to get A box of beer, a snack, and a copy of their really interesting Ferment magazine. You don't realize how interesting beer is until you have a look through that really good. All you have to do is nip onto their website right now. It is beer52.com forward slash retro, and you will get your free box of beer52 through the door. All you have to do is cover the £4.95 postage. So check that out right now. You'll be really helping out the show, of course, as well at beer52.com. Forward slash retro and do it in the next two weeks and get an extra two unmissable beers for free. Right then, let's talk retro gaming memories with our good friends at Arcade Attack. You're listening to the Retro Hour Podcast, and it is our pleasure to do our first ever crossover episode. With another podcast, can't believe it's taken us what three and a half years to get to doing this, and this is actually one of our favourite British retro gaming podcasts. Now, it is our pleasure to welcome to the show Adrian Dill and Rob from the wonderful Arcade Attack Podcast. Welcome to the Retro Hour, guys! Wow, thank you.
4: (laughs) That's the first time we've ever been called wonderful. (laughs) Cheers. Well, I
5: mean, we are massive fans ourselves, so it's a huge honour. So, thank you so much. Yeah, cheers getting us on today. No problem at
0: all. Well, I mean, one thing we always kind of like to do on our show is kind of, you know, kind of set up your kind of backgrounds and uh, kind of find out where gaming started for you guys. I mean, yeah. starting with you, Adrian, what was kind of your, uh, your earliest gaming memory then? What kind of got you into it all?
5: Oh, it's got to be the Spectrum for me. Um, my, uh, my uncle, I talk about quite a lot on the podcast on Arcade Attack. Um, he's, he's huge into games and computers, and he had a Spectrum first. And uh, my mum got one a few months later, and I, got, I was have me out five or six. And it really, really impressed me. I remember spending hours, me and my brothers, also like, programming and stuff and really got into it. But probably the biggest memory of growing up for me for gaming is probably the Amiga, actually. So, again, my uncle got it first. And, yep, a few months later, I managed to <laughs> persuade my parents to get me the Amiga 600. I think the cartoon pack, so... That's how I started, and it's it's gone on from there, really so they are my, my two favorites of earliest memories, definitely
0: yeah, that was me as well christmas ninety one getting the cartoon classics, Ooh, oh, I remember brilliant. that, yeah, I think I played on that that Bart versus the space mutants game, like I wouldn't come for Christmas dinner, I was just mesmerized by it,
5: <laughs> <laughs> now, because I remember you mentioned in recent of your pods that you love what you, you did enjoy um Captain Planet, yes. and I'm the same actually it's it didn't have good reviews, but there's something about it. That I, can't, I just can't hate that game, actually. That game so. was
4: rubbish, guys.
5: We'll defend it down, won't we?
0: Yeah, I think me and you are the only people in the world who like
5: that game. Yeah, really? I was playing something
0: <laughs>
3: cool like Walker. Uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> Could it
6: have been Widget the World Warrior, the game. Ooh. <laughs> What's that? It's like the worst environmental themed cartoon show there's ever been.
4: We need more environmental themed <laughs> computer games. Yeah, there's not many out there, <laughs> is there? <laughs> no, people need
5: to design these
4: better than Captain Planet. Was
3: there, was there a toxic Avenger game? Oh
4: god there was. That was horrendous as well.
5: <laughs> yeah, those global gladiators of course, don't forget.
4: Well you just like squirt goo at everyone. Yeah. Like, okay, that's not quite environmental, but well, not I'll go everyone, with it. just
6: mud monsters. Oh yeah. Damn those mud monsters. Damn
0: them. <laughs> What about the rest of you guys, then, in terms of um, early gaming memories? What did it for you, Dil? So only, I suppose, our
4: crossover listeners would have heard this story about five times. But um, back in the late 80s, one, uh, one of my cousins had this Pong machine for the telly. It took her about half an hour to get the thing moving. But I just thought it looked phenomenal. I was like, you know, video games are it. And that was the year, well, it must have been sort of mid-1990, uh, late-1990, they had those Sega adverts. Running all the time on the telly. I think alternately the Master System ones, the Mega Drive ones. So I dragged my dad down to Woolworths, Christmas uh, 1990, and I said, "Oh, I've got to have one of these." And they were both on the shelf, but I didn't really know what a Mega Drive was. So the Mega Drive was there and the Master System was there. And I was like, "Oh, with a Master System you get two control pads and a light phaser." And I'm like, "Oh man." you got to go for that dad let's get that instead <laughs> so i got that and ghostbusters and then i didn't realize until about two three months later that uh the um hang on and safari hunt were actually built into the power base so then then i had a, a then i had two more games and the snail maze game and then i just got me into it really i was just hooked up i was oh my god this is amazing so every christmas every birthday i just nag my parents and my family for video games and well, well, at least, he got, he, at least he got
0: those built in as well. I think a friend of mine, Dougie, he had uh, Alex Kidd. That was the only game he had for about six years. Yeah, so the Master <laughs> System 2 was <laughs> yeah.
4: great as well. He had the Sonic one, he had the Alex Kidd one. But yeah, they they were later. I was a, I was a Mark I Master System guy, so, you know.
0: And what about you, Rob? Where did it begin for you?
4: <laughs>
6: uh, DOS PC for me, I think. Oh, cool. Like, um... Oh, yeah, well, it does to be a PC game. Maybe, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> well, if you can call these games. I mean, were, like it was kind of four colors, so... You'd either be in the computer lab at school learning, like, how to use a computer for the first time. and They had, like, four-color Tetris there. And uh, we kind of got a home computer around the same time. So we actually, I think the first game I remember playing on that was, like, a text-based game. Like, a text-based kind of horror game. I love those. I love those so bad. It's a bit like uh, Choose Your Own Adventure book in the sense that almost everything you did would kill you. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like you see an apple and you you kind of go eat apple. And it says, you bite into the apple and bite right through a razor blade you died. and die. <laughs> <laughs> like, turn left or right. Well, I'll just, I'll just turn left. You died. <laughs> <laughs> they
0: were brutal, some of those games, weren't they?
5: They were. Well, <laughs> how did you guys end up meeting then? Oh, wow. We, we've known each other for like 25.
4: Five. We all went to school with each other, yeah. which is really funny because we all, you know, I've known... Rob came a few, a couple of years later. Um, yeah, well, I've, high known, school together, yeah. I've known Adrian since about 11 or 12. Um, we were in the same sort of tech classes and stuff and yeah. German classes.
6: And... Yeah. And, uh, Keith, the fourth arcade attack member, the most mysterious
4: <laughs> yeah, arcade Keith... attack member. <laughs> <laughs> Keith, Keith is like my best friend. So, you know, we met at 11, we're in the same form group and everything. And we've just found later in life that we have this joint, uh, hobby or, you know, passion. Yeah. It's, it's 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 quite surreal, and we, all we do, you know, our episodes are just what you'd get from us down the pub, basically, just yeah. based around video games. So, I think that you know that's that's a lot of our appeal. But yeah, it's just you know known these guys a long time. I'll know these guys till I'm, about,
5: well, till I'm dead, probably. yeah <laughs> <laughs> We have a Zimmer Frames playing the playing the old
6: Zimmer... Jaguar, I think. Oh, man, <laughs> Sonic 2 with the Zimmer Frames. <laughs> yeah. Every single episode, you have to bring up the Jaguar.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we stuck it in
6: Atari Jaguar.
0: It does make <laughs> me laugh thinking about that, though, because in the future, yeah, what will nursing homes be like in, like, you know, 30, 40 years? Could we'll all be, be playing local mate. land be gaming. Be brilliant. we
4: yeah. will yeah. have, like, arcades set up in old you know, in old people's homes. Quake, yeah.
0: quake yeah. tournaments.
6: So, yeah. basically, it's going to be what you imagined adulthood would be like when you were 10 years old. <laughs> yeah. Like just land parties and just, you know... <laughs> arcade club will be for oaps yeah, be brilliant
4: gold and i 24 hours
3: of... a <laughs> oh, craig david on the radio
0: oh,
3: no. <laughs> craig david
0: yeah 100% well your show is called arcade attack i mean let, let's talk about the the arcades cuz i mean back in the day they were kind of yeah. the go to place when you had enough money or your mum and dad took you to the seaside i mean what were kind of the go to arcade machines that you guys would always make a beeline for
5: well we we're based in croydon <laughs> so when we were growing up really we had a place called sega world we had we? sega world wow. <laughs> which is um above a, a quite a famous shop called orders i think it was like top floor wasn't it i'm talking no about... it's definitely... oh, the one next to it and oh, i just love we just love going there just playing the old mortal Kombat and virtual racing and stuff
6: I don't know, man, like uh, not for me, because I'm kind of, I only moved over to England when I was 11. I was born in South Africa. Yeah. So for me, I think it was one of those kind of things where every kind of corner store would have an arcade machine in there. And you'd kind of like put some money in when you were there, kind of play that. Or uh, like the big bowling alley. My mom like was a bowler and she'd basically kind of go to the league games. And uh, just give me, I guess, the equivalent of maybe five Rand and say like get some change, head to the arcade. It's brilliant. <laughs> but uh yeah, go to games, Street Fighter two I think was the big one. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, me too, me too.
4: But these two are much better at video games than I was. So when when, when I used to go to an arcade, ten pounds would last me about fifteen minutes and then I'd have to go <laughs> yeah. home. So so yeah, when, when when consoles really kinda took
6: off that was that was much more exciting for me. But yeah. Oh, actually, now I can think of it. I think we had an episode on this, but the Simpsons arcade game. Mm. Oh, that wow. was the huge Classic. one. Four player, yeah. Yeah, four player, yeah.
5: Well, I, I remember always Marge. I had to be Marge on that one. I just found out the arcades, wherever you were, you could, you, there was always people playing like Street Fighter 2, and I used to like, enjoy p- watching people play as well, so it wasn't all about playing it. Do
6: you know? ever have any of those like pirate arcade, pirate Street Fighter 2 machines that got turned into champion edition uh, so we had loads of those like, um, dodgy
4: colours and stuff
6: no yep. not dodgy colours but like you'd have kind of You would do a fireball and it would be two fireballs going in a figure of eight mm. or they'd do, like, do this kind of thing where there'd be eight fireballs in a row
4: we did there was like a dodgy um, a kind of casho arcade that was down Surrey Street I think you had one of those. In More dodgy arcades needed. Yeah, it wasn't meant to be in there. That was for like over 18s, but I kind of snuck in there one day. But yeah, we we had those. What about you guys anyway up there? What
3: what kind of... Uh, well, you, you, you guys to? seem spoiled like um, with <laughs> Sega World because uh, I, I remember going there once and even like there was a kind of community around Sega World. I remember even mm-hmm. the hackers would do a meeting on the bottom floor oh, wow. where they'd discuss... Uh, like monthly hacking exploits <laughs> and stuff and even when Sega World shut down they still kind of gathered there but we had a expansive uh expensive Namco one in Nottingham and then oh, nice. up the road the Sun Valley Amusements which was uh full of hair gel and cigarettes and um <laughs> <laughs> that was that was good just to hang around there but we had this very strange uh virtual reality place as well where oh, it was wow. like a virtual reality medieval adventure in the 90s and my friend uh went on there and got a seizure. Oh,
1: wow. Yeah, really? <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. right. That's not
3: good. No.
0: <laughs> Is that where the warnings came in short? Yeah, after? yeah. <laughs> oh,
1: crikey.
0: You know, you guys made an interesting point there about the fact that, you know, seeing arcade machines in random places. So that kind of brought it back to me. My local video shop, I remember, had um, Toki in it. I remember that, that <laughs> game was in the Yeah, oh. we, we'd go in there and, like, you know, wouldn't rent videotapes, we'd just, we'd just play on that. And there was a fish and chip shop, near my school on the corner where they had Golden Axe in there oh, and yeah. something else I can't remember, maybe Turtles as well. We'd all just go in there for lunch and it's just you'd see arcade machines in like the most weird places, wouldn't you?
4: Yeah, down the road in Mitcham, there, mm. <laughs> so there was a choplifter in a chip shop. So there was a choplifter in the chip shop. It was, you know, pretty sweet, pretty bad game actually, all in all. But yeah, yeah, love it. You don't get that now, uh, you know.
5: It's,
1: it's quite shame. sad really, the arcade's
5: dying out really,
4: isn't it's it? Well, you see some of those main cabinets though, don't yeah. you? Like, people have set up those in random shops
5: and things. You can still bump into those. I don't know how legal they are, but... We have a quite a well-known store in Croydon called Play Nation Games, and I think they had Street Fighter 2, the movie the game, they didn't did, they? Didn't they did, didn't they? On arcade. Oh, man. <laughs> a bizarre choice.
4: <laughs> it was. They must have got it for nothing, so I was just trying to give it away to them.
3: Well, what was the kind of coolest arcade machine you saw? Because I, I remember the Sega R360 and the time traveller oh, and stuff, but yeah. uh, House of, all of all the Dead was Sega... good as well.
4: Mm, all of those Sega racing ones were just phenomenal to to actually like experience because mm. because yeah we had Outrun and stuff before and but you know actually like proper the frame rate on Daytona and
6: Virtual yeah. Racing
4: and just seeing those
6: Matt, for me I think for me <clears throat> top three reverse order um, any of the shooting ones we had the actual games but especially Terminator Two yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, Afterburner yeah the other after one that's Burner. in Terminator Two Judgment Day. After Burn again, I'd last about 10 seconds. And oh, then... It was so much fun, though. Oh, and Super Hang On with a big bike. It was really cool oh, as well. Was but cool. no, Champ is going to be the... What is it? Ridge Racer? Like, what was it called? It was the version of Ridge Racer where you were an actual full-on car. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. I that it was you went just... into Piccadilly Circus, you, like, like, have this massive screen... But you were like kind of a full-size sports. You're car? in the car.
4: They still yeah. have those somewhere in the
6: country, somewhere up north. We had one in my
0: local bowling alley. I remember <laughs> there was one in their random. <laughs> <local> <laughs> Even, I just wouldn't leave it. I just stay
5: in the car like all that was day. Was three pounds a pop? Oof. Okay, maybe not. Rinses your money. <laughs> I lo- I used to love. Uh, I think it's Mad Dog McCree as well. Yeah, I oh, uh, yeah. love that because that was really a massive screen,
0: the proper sort of western guns. That that really drew me in as well, actually. I was trying to play that on on the Philips CDI the other week. <laughs> playing playing it with that controller, remote control, yeah. I c I couldn't even oh, get past the first yeah, enemy
4: no. on it, yeah. How did that go?
0: <laughs> yeah, not very well. <laughs> <laughs> but Ravi mentioned something interesting there. Time traveler. Do you guys remember that game? That was kind of like I remember seeing that and it was like it was a Sega game with holograms in it. And I remember seeing that thinking every arcade game is gonna be like this in the future. That's a new
4: one. Ooh, yeah,
0: we could research that for a podcast. Yeah, you know? look it up. It re, it was didn't do very well, but it was kind of it, it was a a machine that was kind of a top overview machine, and it had these kind of bits of foam around it. And then it, I think it was like a Western kind of game, but the the characters were coming as holograms. Wow. Yeah. That sounds creepy. a
5: bit like Westworld, um, the video game.
0: <laughs> yeah, so it must be about ninety two, maybe. Wow.
3: Yeah. Enough. Well, we've talked about the arcades, but. Um, what kind of systems did you have, and uh, what did you love when you were growing up? Ah, oh, so after well, the Amiga kept me going for a good a good number of years, truthfully, until I think my brother spilled coffee
5: on it and it died. And then we soon replaced it with a PC. But in between that, I got a Mega Drive and um, a Jaguar, actually.
6: Wait, your parents let you drink coffee when you were kids.
5: <laughs> it was my older brother, but, he, but he's not it's that much like
1: older. <laughs> yeah, younger. Older.
5: So. The me, I mean, I've been, and actually, it's interesting. I'm quite a young dad, actually, so I got into the sort of Nintendo consoles quite heavily as well. Where I think the other guys, they went a bit more sort of hardcore. So I, I've got a massive love for the Nintendo, and actually, before that, the Zelda games, uh, Ocarina of Time, on N64, I must have spent hours on that. So I've had a lot of consoles. I think mainly because I've got two other brothers, so we kind of shared consoles and whatnot. And um, luckily for me, my mum kept them all in the loft, and she gave them back to me about three years ago. It coincided really well when Dylan started Arcade Attack, so it's almost like the stars were aligned. And There's lots of lovely coincidences, with us, <laughs> isn't there? <laughs> no, um, so, but but I'd call myself like a PC gamer as well. So um, the other guys, I don't want to put words in the mouth, are very sort of Sega, <laughs> <laughs> Sega heavier.
6: Well, I think all four of us had Mega Drive. Really yep.
5: Yeah,
6: yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I had a Famicom, the Japanese NES. And then kind of moved on to N64. And you're a master system though, right, Dil?
4: Oh, dude, I was all about the master system. That thing, you know, I, I survived a good few years with that. And then, like like Adrian, I got an Amiga. And then the Amiga lasted me about three, four years, I think. And then I got a Mega Drive during that time. Then it went PlayStation. So the late 90s was all about PlayStation and playstation 2 yeah. and then that's about it i mean that you know those are, those are my favorite consoles and only now am i getting around to playing, you know experiencing the dreamcast and the saturn and yeah. the n64 so yeah, yeah another reason that arcade attack has kept going is because we want to find out more about stuff we never played and i always have a go at adrian saying that he's had access to more platforms and than all the rest of us put together but but right now you know it's a good time for us to kind of get to these systems and yeah. and chat about them.
6: Yeah, I think uh, Keith just got a 3DO, so we taking a look <laughs> oh, at yeah. that. Yeah, we've the got Holy a 3DO Grail.
4: episode coming up, so that'll be quite
5: interesting, I hope. I know that you guys are big Amiga fans, is that fair, Dan and Ravi? Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, and
3: yeah. You know <laughs> Ravi <is. laughs>
0: Yeah.
3: I, I kept with it till, God, 2002, 2003. That's all you use now, isn't it, Amiga? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, I love the Amiga. I tried
4: dabbling in a bit of music on the Amiga Octomed and Soundtracker and all those other ones and I failed miserably. I mean it was, it was fun but you know you don't want to listen to it. I think I made Adrian a tape once didn't I? Of my Amiga yeah. songs when we were, when we were I was about, well, about 15 or 16. Oh dear! With my with my with my uh, dulcet tones in between the I played it to the my tracks.
5: my girlfriend at the time and it was a bit off putting.
4: <laughs>
0: were you being a DJ no, then?
1: Were you they were doing something else? <laughs> forget, at what point did you play that? <laughs> None of your
0: beeswax. <laughs> this is some good mood music. <laughs> <laughs> soundtrack of Lotus Two in the background or something. Oh
5: yeah! What a great soundtrack. <laughs>
3: Well, what, what games did you kind of used to sink most time to, into as kids? Like, I used to play Syndicate a lot, and I'd just walk around the city persuading loads of people to join a huge army and then take on the police.
4: Mate, you're going to love this. We've, we've literally just recorded a Syndicate
1: yeah. episode. Oh, awesome.
4: About, we we were waxing lyrical about that yeah. the other day, because I, I I put a, a fair bit... I oh, almost completed that game. Almost. <laughs> um, most of my time, actually, it's funny, because... We say about you know retro gaming and platformers and that, and that. Most of my time, if you put it all together, has gone into football management games because mm. they just they just suck they just suck the life out of you in a good way obviously. But you know football manager, Championship Manager, yeah. um, Player Manager, Premier Manager. I think I've had all of them. So that's probably the most time. But I like a good RPG. I like my Final Fantasies. Yeah. Um, but platformers are great just to pick up. You always pick up a bit of Sonic. Um, I pick up you know. Beat'em Up, Streets of Rage, Fighter Games, Street Fighter 2. Those are my kind of go-to, go-to stuff.
5: Yeah, I mean, for me, really, um, I never really got into Zelda games before when they came out on the, on the NES and the SNES, really. It was, when I got me in 64, there was a big adverts saying Zelda Ocarina of Time is going to be the best game ever. <laughs> I begged my mum for it for Christmas. <laughs> I didn't get it. I begged one for my birthday a few months, a few weeks later. I still didn't get it. My brother came down on the day and said, "Look, I've got you a birthday present. The most generous gift ever from my brother," uh, and it was a career at the time. And um, oh man i did every single side mission all the heart pieces i almost i think I almost got kicked off college the amount of time i put into it <laughs> i skipped a few days i shouldn't really be saying that i think but so definitely after that zelda i was hooked and i I think i've played every single zelda game since actually so they're the games that's the franchise that resonates with me the most probably before that the monkey islands um absolutely adore point-and-click adventures They're they'll be my favorites Um, And like Dylan said, I put stupid amounts of time into, like, Championship Manager, which is... (laughs) (laughs) You don't really get much out of it looking back, but there you go. You
4: talk about ruining college, though. I think that the game that ruined college for me was Half-Life. I think you let me Half-Life, and then that was it. I just didn't see the outside world for for weeks <laughs> you literally it. half the scores of your grades
0: it was such an like atmospheric game half life though wasn't it
4: i was i hadn't seen anything like that yeah. i'd only just got a yeah. pc and like adrian just lent me all of these pc games and i thought okay well there's SimCity in there that's yeah, cool okay i had the sega yeah. I had like sega rally and you know, the pc conversions of that but half life was just it just sucks you in you know it just completely sucks you in that game i love it
6: yeah i think um it kind of depends what point you are in life like what kind of how you kind of play those games mm-hmm. i remember like uh i think when i was 11 12 when i got new game i would just obsessively play it until i finished oh, it oh god yeah and like i think we were talking before about earthworm and jim and you were saying oh god you found it pretty hard <laughs> i was like i nailed that in a week i just did not stop playing that's until yeah, it so puts me off with but, yeah. but the game i probably spent the most uh, like time on overall mario kart 64 because you yeah. kind of you go there and you like put it on mm-hmm. and you just listen to music for about two or three hours while you played and if you kind of do that consecutively on and on and on that kind of racks up which is great now because uh we've got like a, an arc- arcade game bar down the road from where i live and they actually have four player mario kart 64 on like a big screen mm-hmm. that's the four quarters mm-hmm. in it? there four quarters
4: in peckham peckham yeah so we're, we're occasionally down there so if any listeners are are frequenters of said bar. <laughs> you probably bump into us at some point.
6: Well, I think you're an occasional one. Like me, um, and the I'm occasional. <laughs> I mean, well, for me, it's pretty much the the bar that's open past closing time. Right? Oh, so, go. yeah, I, I'm in there frequently.
4: Go <laughs> back to Mario Kart 64, there, Rob. Is it better than Diddy Kong Racing? Oh though? dear. Cool. We've,
5: we've had a, me and Rob actually almost came to fisticuffs uh, about these two games, which is the better one. Um, I think one of one of our listeners tweeted said, Oh, I like Adrian, I like Rob. It's a shame they don't like each other much." And like, we have known each for like twenty five years. <laughs>
0: oh, you can be brutally honest with each other after all that time, can't you? Oh,
5: exactly. Yeah. No, no hold, no.
4: We, we can be brutally honest with each other. I <laughs> yeah. think that's another reason that, that that this is going on so long is that yeah. we can just kind of we know everything about each other which is yeah which is strange and good at the same time but yeah we can just take the mick out of each other
0: you know kind of talking about then that you know the the amount of time that used to sink into games Mm. that kind of made me quite nostalgic you know thinking when school summer holidays started you thought you thought i've got nothing to do now for six weeks but sit down and play video games all summer long it was you do kind of miss having that time to dedicate to them don't you
6: I don't know. I think I prefer drinking.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, you can combine the two these days. Well, do, you know,
5: do you know what, Dan? I, I feel a bit bad because I'm actually a teacher, so I get, I've get i got oh, the no summer way. holidays off. <laughs> you can actually do that. Yeah, yeah, I've got kids and whatnot, so it's not quite as much free time, truthfully. But yeah, I've got a few spare days now, truthfully. And I'm a full-time dad in the minute, so I can kind of do the
0: same. <laughs> oh, it's just me then, yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs> but no, you're right. I think, again, a lot of the nostalgia, and a lot of people, you now why people really like retro gaming is they, they remember those days where they were well self. Yeah. They self self locked away playing video games or holidays, and I used to love that. You know, it was again football management games, basically. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was a great time, and it's it's a shame that, that now we're all working. Eventually, when I go back to work, <laughs> I'll be a, a working person again. But
5: yeah. How about you, Dan and Ravi? What games have you put the most time into?
0: For me, it was Point and Clicks as well. I think you yeah, mentioned yeah. Monkey yeah. Island there. I think Monkey Island one and two. Oh, yeah. I remember my brother and I would like, we'd sit up, you know, like, when well, mum and daddy go to bed and we'd wake up and we'd turn the computer on, and try and keep it all quiet. And we'd play till like two or three in the morning and then try not to look too knackered next morning. And then beneath a steel sky, I remember sinking so much time into that game. Uh, colonization
3: for me. That was a real, real big strategy game. Uh, after Civ, colonization. And then yeah. Unreal Tournament when that came out. I absolutely well, yeah. caned that game. <laughs>
5: <Yeah>. <laughs> It's crazy, isn't it? I mean, uh, you think, was that a waste of hours in your life? But it wasn't really, was it? Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah,
3: because I could rocket jump
0: afterwards. <laughs> yeah. It's you still can to this day, right?
3: <laughs> um, where did you guys kind of stand on the uh, playground wars? So, obviously, you all had Segas with a, a big group of Nintendo guys <laughs> at your school that you'd uh, start arguments with. Not,
6: not that I can remember. I don't know if I knew anyone who really had a snares. Like, there was one kid on our street, and, you know, you'd kind of go, you'd play with him because he had a snares. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, no apart from that, I think, like, I don't know if there's a clique or anything, but obviously I don't think I knew anyone who didn't have a Mega Drive, like, in the kind of 16-bit thing. Yeah. You know, I knew people who had Amigas, but, like, yeah. I didn't know anyone who had snares and not Mega Drive. Well, I, just,
5: I might offend a few people now, but when I was growing up, I got Mega Drive a bit later, but it was it was all about Amiga for me. And in my eyes, <laughs> I probably it sounds stupid now, I honestly thought the Amiga had the best games and all the platforms all the genres uh, the best driving games the best the best um, point and click adventures, and I also, best all,
6: platform mascot. And I
5: even thought at the time when Zool came out, and I get a lot of hate for this. I honestly thought at the time that Zool was better than Mario and Sonic.
6: Well, the magazine hyped <laughs> it up,
0: didn't they? The so, the Sonic Killer for the Amiga.
5: That's what, I, yeah. and I know it went on different platforms, but for me, I thought Zool. This is it. He's he's cooler than uh, Sonic, and he's he can you know he's faster mm. than Mario. It's
6: like being in a cult. This <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah, I I think there's a, a kind of uh, delusions of grandeur with the Amiga uh, user base, <laughs> and there always has been. <laughs> I, I had that belief as well, you know. But it wasn't. Yeah, I mean, in our playground, it was all Sega, really. I find, I just wonder,
4: because even though Nintendo was bigger globally, I just wonder whether Sega was was more popular in England. It
6: was cooler, I think. Like Cooler, yeah. Mega Drive, oh. at that point, I think was the cool console. The SNES had, like, you knew it had technically better graphics and sound and more colours, but... We didn't care about know, like that. But, you know, we kind of talked about it like this. Uh, you know, the Mega Drive was the console that was on the... Like, the inside and the inlay for like, the Beastie Boys albums. Mm-hmm. It was... Mm-hmm. The console It was in Swingers, like, mm-hmm. the playing stuff. It was the cool one. Like, the <laughs> Jet Black and... Sonic Sonic's was, like, kind of... It felt a bit kiddie. Um, and Street Fighter 2 and Starwing. But that was the thing. Like, every so often, they'd bring out this killer game. And you'd think, ah, oh, I really wish I could play that. Yeah. I
5: mean, it was... I mean, for me, it was Zelda Link to the, pa- uh, Link to the Past, actually. That's the game I really wanted to play. Um, but... Ocarina of Time was the first time I played the proper Zelda games for the you
0: <laughs> I know you guys have had Tom Kalinske on your show. You know we, we had him on a couple of years ago too, and I think they did such a good job with the Mega Drive. Of the yeah. marketing was just spot on, wasn't it? And the timing and everything.
4: I think because you know, reading console wars, and then you have you know having the honour of speaking to Tom, it was just you know the, the decisions they made. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if they didn't, if they did one thing differently, then the Mega Drive wouldn't have. It wouldn't have been well it wouldn't have been what it was and Sonic you know the input they had to Sonic I don't. I don't know how he would have turned out but thankfully he turned out blue and <laughs> uh, you know fit for fit for family purposes <laughs> N- not with a human girlfriend yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah no it was it was a real honor having um, you know having, having a chance to, to speak to him but yeah the Sega and the console was it's just a real shame that Sega isn't around in a console in a console-making you know, yeah. atmosphere anymore.
6: But I think, like, that's part. It's kind of what's interesting about looking back. Like, I mean, we can't talk about nostalgia and what we used to be into, but I think a large part of looking at these games in retrospect is kind of seeing what else was around there, not just, like, kind of the other games it was competing against to the other systems, but what else was happening culturally. Like, I, I know, like, we're coming up to Mortal Monday, so we're going to be doing a Mortal Kombat show. Mm-hmm. But, like, yep. you kind of look at all those, like, characters that everything was based on, and it's all kind of, links back to old films and yeah. you know i think it's interesting to kind of see what else is going on in terms of like society and politics if you want to go that far or just kind of like what the people who are actually making the games and playing the games were watching on tv and movies what they're listening to music like it all fits together
1: yeah yeah, yeah
0: i watched a great youtube video the other day it was all the uh, the samples in golden axe where they've come from and it was like you know which movies <laughs> and stuff and it's really yeah. weird seeing them in a movie
4: they really did rip off a yeah. lot of
5: stuff to they <laughs> your game developers yeah. back in them days but i'm sure that i think commando has been used in a few games isn't the, the clips. oh yeah <laughs> oh operation Wolf. i think so yeah operation Wolf. <laughs> um yeah golden yeah it's brilliant actually <laughs>
0: Oh, well, which magazines did you guys read back in the day? Cause, you know, in that pre-internet era, that was where we we got all our information this and demo discs cool. and everything.
6: Yeah, like, when I think was heavily into kind of like gaming and like especially Sega stuff. Used to, uh, I think, buy two or three a month. But for me, I think we're gonna have to do like an actual episode of this at some point. But for me, kind of Mean Machine, Sega, and Games Master were like the top. And I think Nintendo Magazine System was really good as well. Like I used to read that occasionally, even though. Didn't really have like um, an actual Nintendo machine, but it was funny because the lower down you went in quality, the better free gifts you you get in the front of like the magazine. Easy,
4: easy, yeah, easy. Rob always has a go at me because I was an avid Sega Power reader, and which he thinks is kind of bottom of the pile. But for, for, it's not bottom of the pile. It's just it's near, you's near, near. It's near bottom. bottom of the pile. Go, oh, but I loved it, and I remember one 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 of the um, one of the issues came with a cassette tape with some kathy dennis songs on it and also she would read you out hints and tips oh, from wow. certain mega drive games that i didn't have but i didn't
0: care because it was <laughs> kathy dennis on my tape they three. must have really made the most of that studio time with her then to get ahead of <laughs> it really thing. did they maxed
6: it pretty sure they also had an issue where they had like a free book and the book was sonic the hedgehog the novelization no they <laughs> wow. had a desert strike one
4: i've got the desert strike wow. one somewhere was
6: it like super kind of I don't see why it was super like pro American propaganda. <laughs> it that was... limited skirmish in the Middle East. <laughs>
5: <laughs> well, I, I like the Amiga magazines personally because oh, we yeah, had those as we well. We got the, the I think it was Amiga Power, wasn't it? Yeah. Amiga Power, see you Amiga. Because yeah. they all had the well, I felt quite smug really because you couldn't get a free cartridge on the Mega Drive or a no. Sega one. <laughs> so I got the free the free demos, sometimes full games actually. I think towards the end of the Amiga life, they gave out some free games in the front of the magazine. So yeah, that,
6: there was a lot of PD stuff, wasn't there? Yeah, definitely. Like, domain stuff in there. What's well, um, the Amiga Power magazine that Kieran Gillen was on?
5: They don't, the don't look at me. Amiga Power was the Body Blows first and stuff like that. Loved
3: it. It was the kind of controversial one uh, where they'd often do like really hardcore reviews. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: yeah. Well, what about you guys? What what magazines did you kind of read back in the day?
0: Yeah, I was Amiga format. I'd buy every month. Absolutely, yeah, see Amiga as well. I buy yeah, CVG sometimes too. Um, Ace, I remember CVG. getting a few issues of that.
5: Yeah, my uncle used to give me loads of PC Gamer, CVG, Games mm-hmm. Master. And they were often about two or three months out of day, but I didn't care. Yeah, I got them for free, and I just love looking at them. And it's 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 I love the idea of checking out the games in the future. And I, it's when I first saw the glimpse of Alien vs Predator on the, on the Jaguar, it sort of blew my mind my little mind back then I was like I need this console <laughs> in my life.
3: Well um I, I was into CVG when they started introducing the nice looking ladies on it. <laughs> that, that's <laughs> what got my interest. Um but I was wondering which gaming TV shows would you guys watch?
6: Games World for me every all the time.
4: That's it because I didn't have Sky, so mm-hmm. I I missed I'm only watching Games World on YouTube now. But I, mean,
6: yeah. I went to like a uh, filming of Games World. <laughs> nice. I actually went was in the audience, but <laughs> nice. um it's weird because you go to like a filming of any TV show, and the room they film it in is tiny. Yeah, well, yeah, but yeah. um, yeah, it was cool. Got to see Bob Mills and um, kind of all the kids playing the games and stuff. And I used to love they had that kind of that F like comedy comedy night because it was on five days a week on yep. Sky. And you used to have like a kind of comedy day on Tuesday with um a pre famed David Williams in. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 he was in
4: it. Was the going back to the studio size though? Was it bigger or smaller than the Brain Teaser Studio? <laughs>
6: well, nothing is smaller than the Brain Teaser <laughs> Studio, but it yeah, was the, uh, These
5: two have been small. on a Channel 5 quiz show, which no one's ever heard of. <laughs> I, I was going to say, what's Brain
6: Teaser? I've never heard yeah. of it. <laughs> Are they talk like,
4: about it every day. Only like mums <laughs> from like the early 2000s will even know what it is. We don't like to talk about
0: it, but the we weird... both
4: failed. <laughs> but
0: the weird are, are, are these on YouTube both... then? Are they? Can, can we see these anywhere? I don't know. Is Bain Teaser on
5: YouTube?
6: I don't think anyone bothered. Pretty much. <laughs> it's weird because we both beat everyone else in the show and then bottled it on the final round. And then like, I, it was probably different for you, but I kind of, this, this is, a, I can't remember what time of year I was on, but I kind of, Went back to university, and like about a month or two later, someone came up to the, me in the bar and said, "Were you on Brain Teaser?" <laughs> yeah, I've had I had
4: that actually back, because then all, everyone from university been watching it as well. But yeah, because we both got to the last bit, and they they use these little tricks. I don't know if you guys know, but. When you're when you're um, sort of against the clock in a, in a in a quiz show, they definitely ramp up the volume like as as that kind of as it beeps down and it puts you off like you would not believe. I was just, like it just froze me. I had only had like 18 seconds to guess this thing, I just couldn't do it. And I was like, oh get man, get the
0: tension building
4: attention well, mate and i was yeah. and i just had, i was like stomping around
5: oxford afterwards like like the hulk like
0: it wasn't <laughs> they're
4: just
5: bitter dan uh and rather they're just bitter people in front of us <laughs> yeah
4: yeah yep. but yeah games games going back to um video game shows yeah. games master yeah. was was the one i mean that just blew my mind it blew my little tiny little mind <laughs> but you know just seeing dominic diamond and you know, all those guys. Dexter there. Fletcher? Dexter, yeah, Dexter right. <laughs> Yeah, he's all right. Hi, Dex. Um, yeah, <laughs> that, that, and Bad Influence,
5: those two. I, For, I did I
4: like, bad, like influence. bad
0: Influence. I did like
5: it, yeah. Yeah, I have to say, your, your Andy Crane episode generally was really, really interesting. As um, when I really got into your show, actually, properly. I thought that was an excellent interview, by the way. Yeah, cheers no, for that.
0: On. He was an interesting guy because he was like when we before we did it, we had to ask him for months, and he's like, oh, "I don't really remember anything about it. I'm not into video games, you know. I had no real interest in it." Then we got him on, he started to get fired up about it. He was
1: like, he did, yeah.
5: got oh, nice. um, "I love bits, though. I don't know if you guys remember that." It oh yeah, yeah. I it was a bit, bit, bit cheeky, a little bit risque, possibly a little bit late at night. But I think we we're all that kind of lad culture, you know, half a few drinks from the pub. Uh, bits was brilliant. Apple. It probably wouldn't work so well in today's TV, truthfully, but I,
3: I, there's something about it that really caught my eye.
6: You're making it sound like the nuts of TV shows.
3: But... <laughs> it was a bit better than that. But there you go. I loved uh from Candy, which was like an Ian Lee oh, yes. documentary. Yeah. He did that? I thought that was amazing.
5: That was brilliant. I mean, I spoke to Ian Lee about that, and he said that's one of the shows he
0: regrets doing. I'm like, don't, don't say <laughs> that. Ian. No, yeah, didn't you have best? Matthew Smith on that? Wasn't that like Matthew Smith?
3: Yeah, Smith's Matthew script? Smith. They had the uh, founders of Atari. They had. Um, oh, it's just a real exploration of all the all the amazing stuff.
6: Mark E. Smith was on a video game show. Yeah,
4: Matthew. Yeah, I think he was. Because he's, he's only just resurfaced, hasn't he? Yeah. So
6: yeah he's yeah. dead. What? Who are we talking about? I'm talking about. Ma- are you not talking about Mark E. Smith? No, no Matthew, Matthew Smith. Smith. Oh, okay. Uh, well, Jets set off. Willie. Dude. Money, money. <laughs> <laughs> That's
5: less <But> surprising. <laughs> Ian
3: did have to go around his house and kind of do it in his bedroom, which was really cool. Yeah, because it was that like cool. he'd sit there and he'd be uh, saying, oh, my spectrum would crash when my mum turns the kettle on, so I have to program at night.
5: <laughs> that is just so him, isn't
0: it? Like that is brilliant.
5: What's your favourite shows in guys out of, out of that lot? Or... Yeah, I think,
0: yeah. For me, I mean, I, I did used to love Bad Influence, and I know yeah. everyone's Games Master was technically the better show, and it was <laughs> it was more grown up. But I think there's something about that, you know, the time of day it was on, just getting back from school, just before you had your dinner, and then. I think the fact that they also covered computers I found quite good as well because it yeah. wasn't, wasn't just about games because I kind of liked it when they did, you know, showing off, like, new 3D hardware or you had the Z... Was his name Z, the guy that was in, um, in America? Yeah. You'd find out what was happening over there. That always seemed like a million miles away seeing reports from America.
5: No, it was a good show.
0: It was, it was a great
4: show. You know, yeah. that, little, that little data blasting at the end—that that was, was great. great. <laughs> a few hints and tips at the end of that. <laughs> record, press record. record. Stop. Oh my
2: God,
0: just record. <laughs> <laughs> my video's flickering <laughs> too much. I can't read it. Yeah, exactly.
6: <laughs> Here's a question. Why do you think those shows just have not survived to the present day?
5: Um, well, I asked I asked Ian Lee that very question. He said the internet. He said YouTube. There's enough on there already. There's no. There's not enough. You know, need for it on the commercial TV. It seems.
0: Yeah, we had a chat to Ashens once and he was saying that, you know, they actually, he'd asked about that mm. at some TV production studios and they'd said they actually viewed video games as being competition for television. Mm. You know, they want you to watch TV. They don't need to turn the channel off and play games. I suppose,
6: yeah. Maybe that's why there's no film review shows on mainstream TV anymore either. Yeah. Nope. nope. That's, that's a good answer. I didn't think of that, yeah could be the point he's a wise man Ash. He's,
5: yeah he's wise than us he? anyway <laughs> yeah he's way wiser than us
6: yeah.
0: well while we've got you on dill i need to uh, confront you about something um oh, I, I was listening to your um is rise of the robots really that bad episode <laughs> are you the only man in the world that likes rise of the robots then oh
1: mate i
4: think i am you know
0: um it's a funny you know i'll again listeners won't have
4: won't have heard this because they probably won't have heard the, the episode but back in uh, what was it 93 or 94 i can't remember now but that that christmas uh, you know the Amiga was the mainstay in my life. And Rise of Robots was the thing. It had it got a pretty good review in that's that, that CU Amiga or Amiga Power uh review. It was about eighty something percent. <laughs> and it just blew my mind. It blew my mind. It just you know it was it was twelve floppy discs. <laughs> I think thirteen if you include the install disc. And it it played not great. It played not great. But just seeing that stuff on my you know my rubbishy CRT telly it was, it was amazing. and I, I don't know if I'd play it so much now, I'll be honest with you, <laughs> but I'd I'll defi- I'll definitely um, fight its corner.
6: I mean, you know I mean? for the Amiga. <laughs> for the Amiga. <laughs> oh, yeah, we will, Amiga see, up.
4: You, can, yeah, you can tell Rob didn't have Amiga growing up. <laughs> I mean, if you look at, you know, the Amiga Street Fighter wasn't great. Uh, it had those weird body blows. <laughs> yeah. Adrian's going to punch me now, but body blows wasn't amazing. was, fight was all right the uh,
6: Mortal
3: Kombat wasn't good either. I didn't no, mind that on the Amiga; really no. I thought it was all right. But yeah. it's like load disk for finishing moves.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on, you know, come on, Amiga. But that—that—that's where—that's where it kind of fell on it its face a little bit because it was limited to those floppy disks. Well, they were about seven hundred and something kilobytes of data, so it was completely hamstrung by that. But that's why Street Fighter didn't turn out great, and yeah, Rise of the Robots. mate. yeah, just um, if
6: anyone. This is it to you just send it my way <laughs> well you know, it had s- we, uh, established Rise of the Robots is also a very misogynist game <laughs> it is a tad <laughs> is because it I, I, can't, like, I can't
0: remember it being the, robot, the
6: supervisor at the end
4: is female isn't it
6: I think the whole plot the background plot of the game is that the supervisor gains sentience and decides she's female then decides to destroy humanity <laughs> right afterwards wow. yeah. so they're, ba-
4: <laughs> they're basically saying that feminism killed the world is, is, is that what Rise of the
6: Robots is saying I'm not going to put words
0: <laughs>
6: in the robot's <laughs> mouth. It looks pretty dodgy. <laughs> the, the, the kind of
3: hype surrounding that game was oh, insane as well. Like I Talking to gaming TV, I remember those monitors that Bad Influence got customised in the Rise yeah. of the Robot style and did the whole intro. Uh, yeah. redone for rise of the robots they must have really regretted that
4: <laughs> they did after they started playing it and realized that one of you had to be cyborg and you couldn't jump over the other guy <laughs> yeah. you know these are you know this is where it all kind of fell on its face a little bit but
6: what i find really surprising about that is when you kind of say like oh i looked amazing it was like because i remember what seeing footage of that and just thinking this does not look like a good game mm. at all it's Think like of the
4: colours, I mean, it was on the the A12, I had the A1200 AGA version. Yeah. So the colours were phenomenal, and just the drawing and everything, the animation mm-hmm. of it. I not the Amiga hadn't done anything. I was playing like stuff like Operation Stealth before that, and yeah. stuff like I love Flashback, right? But Flashback graphically compared to Rise of the Robots, just the you know the aesthetic of it. Come on.
0: I, I'm with it's, you there because yeah. I got it as well that same Christmas. <laughs> um, I the Amiga 600 version, and I do remember. Yeah. The intro, I think the intro was probably like 10 of the 13 discs that it came on, probably. <laughs> yeah. But I do remember putting that in and being like, wow. You know, until the know game it. started and it was just an average beat-em-up, but the, that intro was impressive. The intro oh, yeah.
4: was amazing. We see the little spaceship going in and like Cyborg running through the, um, the complex and stuff. I was just, it just, ah. Oh.
5: And don't forget, Dil was Brian May's biggest fan, so that's always a oh, bonus. Brian May's <laughs>
4: biggest fan, even though the best tunes in it aren't the ones that he made, but we'll skip past that.
3: So, why did you guys start the podcast then?
4: Keith, <laughs> yeah, it's his, it's, all his, it's, all, it's his fault.
3: And he's not even here to defend himself. He's
6: not even here to defend himself. But uh, So you can make up whatever lies you want about him. Yes.
5: Keith, well, no. I think the blog was, was picking up speed and we'd, it seemed to get a bit of traction. People seemed to like, to, like our writing and stuff and interviews. And um, I, Keith just thought, what, he said one day, why don't you just do a podcast and talk about this stuff and meet up and have a few beers. And Do you know what? It, it's, it's an excuse to meet up with friends have a couple of cheeky beers and just have a little bit of a laugh, really. We, we're not experts. <laughs> I think we use Wikipedia a bit too much, don't we? <laughs> we do use Wikipedia yeah. an awful lot. But um, but Keith, we just,
4: yeah. Keith will admit that prior to that, we didn't see him anywhere near as regularly. Yeah. We? Like, we used to meet up, you know, we've been friends for so long. We used to be maybe all together, maybe every two, three months or something. But now yeah. it's like every month, regardless of what we're doing, we'll meet up and do this. So it's it's good for that. And we just grown into it i don't you know we're not we're not natural speakers we just like chatting about gaming and yeah, us hanging out
6: it used to be the three of you and then i think it started when mm. i was. Well, i live in australia mm. and i kind of listened to a couple of episodes and thought man i should hoard in on this Rob <laughs> was like let me in and we were like
4: <laughs> oh rob we have to change the intro now but
6: yeah okay <laughs> yeah just yeah. like scooby and scrappy do all over again it was yeah scrappy well, that's so, what I yeah, kind of
3: love about doing this one is the fact that, you know, I s- see Joe and Dan every single week and it's a, it's a good reason to actually yeah. get together. But I was wondering, uh, what are your favourite episodes?
5: Oh, that's a good question. Um, oh, i tell you what, talking to Tommy uh, Talarico, um not an episode with the other guys, truthfully. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry, Dylan, Rob. Yeah. Ones that don't um, include us. Yeah. But Tommy Tallarico was great. And if you, I don't know if you guys have spoken to him, but he's well worth getting on the show. He's oh, yeah. We're, we're, we're trying,
3: but I, I think he's in television busy at the moment.
5: All <laughs> oh, right, <laughs> But he was awesome. So open and just some of these stories are absolutely incredible. So I love that episode. Also, I, I always talk about the Jaguar. So if there's any excuse to talk about Jaguar games, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it annoys a certain people in this room a little bit. But that's what you know, I like, I like my Jaguar episodes a little bit as well.
6: Um, for me, I think Sword Quest, like just a game I'd literally never heard of before. Then Adrian kind of told the entire story of Sword Quest, this obscure Atari-like game from the early '80s, and just an amazing story. I think in kind of however which way you look at it, never heard of it before, and just the way it unfolded. Ah, oh, I loved actually just being in the room yeah. for that.
4: My favourite one was the the um, the one I presented on Dino Crisis because. It was the first one where I really started enjoying uh, podcasting, and the guys hadn't heard of Dino Crisis 3, so it was quite, you know, it was quite fun breaking it to them that it was essentially dinosaurs in space, and we had a good, you know, we had a good laugh with that one. I think that was my,
6: that's probably my favorite one. Like dinosaurs. I probably said that at the time. Dinosaurs, (laughs) yeah. Well, you know, we like, we like... uh, you're like recycling we, we're yeah. mainly positive we don't like to
5: have a go at games often we have a few in the past but we also often unless talk it's bubsy. Unless, unless it's bubsy, bubsy to
1: <laughs> we, it.
5: we often like to do podcasts where we're quite positive and uh, resonates with our childhood our childhood and what we did and I always tell silly stories about what it you know growing up and so forth and then my, you know I, I, it's just an excuse to talk rubbish really and <laughs> everyone, everyone
6: have a good laugh yeah I don't know I think like there's kind of definitely a dynamic in there like you're the storyteller I think Dylan's more like kind of the socializer. Like you'll kind of bring the mm. kind of pub questions yeah. to the room. I don't know if that's because they require less prep. But yes, uh... it is. I'm really lazy <laughs> when it comes to prep. I'm like, busted. Like uh, Keith is kind of the collector. Like he's, I think for him, it's really kind of, he gets to kind of, he's an adult now. He gets to do what we all wanted to do at yeah. that age and yeah. like buy all these systems and get into that yeah. kind of stuff.
4: Just don't tell his missus how much he's spending on these consoles. <laughs> no. Although uh, she might be listening to this.
6: Yeah. And I guess for me, like I used to be heavily into it, not mass, not, I'm, I'll be honest, I'm not a massive gamer these days, but for me, I think it's just so interesting to kind of look at where that stuff was. I guess I'm more of the outsider. And so you guys can kind of tell me about this and so maybe I'll bring in a different perspective. Yeah. yeah. I think, you know, that mixture of different opinions is what makes it work.
0: Yeah. I, know, I know you guys, you, you touched on collecting and you've done some really interesting shows about different systems and stuff. I know, Dylan, Rob, you picked up a Jaguar CD and a Mega CD a while back you were talking about, too. Yeah. I mean, is yeah. it kind of this, are you on a bit of a mission to kind of maybe rediscover things that you didn't play first time around? Or?
5: Um, oh, definitely.
0: Oh, man, the definitely. Jag CD, <laughs> not, not cheap. <laughs> yeah, I've got one. <laughs> I know, I've seen I've seen some pictures of yours.
5: Yeah, you guys, and you, yeah we've seen your you. You, pl- you play music, don't you? Quite often, it's really really excellent, isn't it? At doing that. Yeah, I, um, I
0: stick it on for a picture, then I'm like, I don't know where the laser out and turn it off. Oh,
5: I know. <laughs> I, I, when I turn on, i was always a bit scared. It's when, I've had a Jaguar for years. I think I'm, I, you know, I got it just after the lifespan of the Jaguar. I think I got it cheap in a in a games shop, electronics boutique, I think. And I played it quite a lot, but it's only recently, the last two three years and I thought there's something missing I need to get the jag CD it's it did cost me bit of an arm and a leg um, but it just it just seems like I had to get it <laughs> I love that thing
4: there is more scope for getting a jag CD these days because people are publishing sort of homebrew stuff to the CD you can get uh, Atari ST um, compilation discs and stuff that yeah. work on the jag CD so I think it's I, I think that I thought that was a decent decent purchase but I think the mega CD, Might be the greatest thing that I own. I pretty much have every console now uh, in some kind of guise. But the Mega CD, just knowing that it's in my house, just the way – just listening to it load CDs and the way it boots up and uh, it's just – everything about it is just –
6: What are we actually still missing in terms of like machines – what, between probably, the lot of us What is the cdi that dan was talking about yeah CDI. <laughs>
0: you're not yeah. missing much just...
6: <laughs> i tell you what like, i've always
5: been laser impressing... active oh, yeah, on, on cd32 the amiga cd32 something i've always that's another itch
0: i need to scratch yeah, I, i've actually. got two of them ravi's got one Yeah, is
3: i collect uh, games for it and they're getting amazingly expensive yeah. and uh, a lot of the retro stuff is do you think kind of it's reaching a peak guys
4: I don't know because we've we did a sort of has the has the the bubble burst on that we don't really know about collecting because people are really taking the Mickey now, even yeah. you know even even high street retailers who shall not be named uh, are way overpricing stuff and people will get sick of it at some point.
6: Oh, I don't know if I can agree with that. Like as somebody used to what work, what with the in, what with the price hikes. Or, yeah, somebody used to work in a second-hand record store. I think once something kind of attains that. Collectors' kind of cachet—it doesn't go down because you're not going to get any more of them. They aren't going to be kind of—you're going to get new vintage machines. Mm. I think like once they reach a certain point, they become actual investments, and that people start speculating, and at that point. You have people coming in who maybe aren't buying because they love it; they're buying because they are investments.
3: It's a weird I, uh, kind of loop at the moment because I see people listing stuff on eBay at very high prices. Mm. <laughs> One of the items will then sell, and then the retailers will look at it and go, "Oh, we need to put ten pounds on top of that," and it just yeah. keeps mm. driving the whole price of everything up.
5: Economics will say the bubble would burst eventually, but I think we might see more sort of mini consoles coming out. You know, and and I, I don't think. Customers and mugs, though, I think um, certain mini consoles have done really well, but the PlayStation Mini wasn't done particularly well, I don't think. So I think video game companies, I'm all up for those kind of retro systems, and get, but they've got to be very careful how they do it. Let's hope the Mega Drive Mini does well, eh?
0: Yeah, I think yeah. that was a lesson to Sony, probably. I think they thought they could just put any old crap out and people would yeah. buy it,
4: yeah. Well, they rushed it, didn't they? I think yeah. just in time for Christmas, but the, the PlayStation Classic is a funny one, because now people are realising they can hack it, well, soft mod it, and they can get... A full library on there and enjoy it that way, then it does have a purpose now. And, and you it's get them for, a what, huge uh,
3: price dry, a drop as well, isn't it? Twenty quid yeah, on, Amazon, 20 20 on Amazon the other day on Amazon, like yeah.
4: fifteen pounds or something. Uh, yeah. It was like Keith, yeah. Keith picked up one. I, 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 I've already got one, the you know he picked up one for fifteen quid. It's just it's a joke, really. And you know, with with a um, flash drive with a one of those eight bit do um, wireless. Um, like bluetooth card things you can turn it into a decent console so you (laughs) you have to to buy the other stuff to go with it but yeah you can do that but i I don't know i'm not sure i totally agree with what rob says about the collecting thing i mean there's 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 a copy of snatcher uh on the mega cd in one of an aforementioned high street uh, retailer that's been there for about must be about a year now it's at about 250 quid Mm. so no one's no one's taking a pun on that and that is Apparently, what Snatcher is worth, and but no one's no one's bought it. Yeah. So, if if that is a, a measure of anything,
0: do you think retro is kind of peaked then, or do you think we're just kind of riding the wave, or do you think it's going to get bigger? Or
4: I really hope not, because we want to take things up a level. Yeah. So we we want to <laughs> you, know, we, we wanted, you know we want to put out more content there. We think you know retro why you know why can't retro gaming be a seven day seven day of the week kind of thing? Um, <laughs> so we we we're hoping it's not. And Rob made a point in. That podcast that we mentioned earlier, that something will always be retro. Mm. There will always be a market for something that you know that gives people that feeling of nostalgia.
6: Yeah, I think like maybe a thing with kind of gaming is now that it has reached that level of like an actual kind of recognized art form. Yeah. I don't know. I, th- I think it's only going to get bigger in terms of collectibles. I think the difference between gaming and yeah, well, it's not really a difference, but the thing is. It's like you look at kind of a rare record, like the first edition, say, Mm. um, Sgt. Pepper's. Like, that's going to keep going up in price because there's only so many there. But you can always listen to Sgt. Pepper's on CD, like on Spotify or whatever. You're always going to have access to it. And that's something that's, I think, going to come in. It's just the actual kind of hard stuff is going to keep on appreciating in price.
5: Yeah. Well, I think the the physical software is being phased out, isn't it? So I've got a Switch console, and, you know, the amount of you can buy the games in the e-shop if you want, you know, on the Nintendo shop if you want to. So I think the next generation of consoles, there'll be no physical, well, I might be wrong here, but not much physical software. Well,
4: Stadia, isn't
5: it? Yeah. And all Stadia. Stuff, so I mean. maybe retro, there'll be a line drawn. So in 20 years time, people might go, Oh, remember we used to buy cartridges and, you know, switch, switch cartridges <laughs> that, that could, in a way, it almost draws a line in the collecting area. It might actually make it bigger in a weird way
6: thing is though like i mean looking back you could have probably predicted this to some extent because yeah i mean look at back in the 90s when we were kind of first into gaming even then the whole big beanie baby craze yeah, yeah. like that you know you could beanie already baby. kind of see toys going for big like starting to go for big money even like back then like vintage happy meal stuff like those toys are going for mm-hmm. a good amount of money and now man those have become hugely collectible Mm. I just
4: don't have the space to collect, guys, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> um, I'm trying to get rid of my optical media and I just have, you know, a few cartridges. I have, you know, the consoles, but I look at stuff like flash solutions and, you know, that that never drives. So, you know, that, that's kind of how I want to play stuff these I, days. I just
0: pre-ordered the Atari Jaguar one today. It was like 140 quid, I think. Oh, did so. you get it? Yeah, oh. I'm in there. <laughs> and I, and I, I
3: have... think as well, uh, retro gaming's a much better investment than beanie babies
1: because they've they've (laughs) completely hit the floor
3: (laughs) um i just love seeing dylan says he
5: doesn't really want to collect the games but when i wake up in the morning drinking my coffee i just look over see my jaguar game collection it just makes me happy (laughs) 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 they look look at my jag cd and just endorphins it's absolutely incredible actually i don't even have to play the things
0: (laughs) well guys as long as retro's here i mean i know we'll be covering it and you guys will as well arcade attack is your podcast i'm going to put a link in our show notes everyone needs to check you guys out what's coming up on the show you got anything exciting in the pipeline well we've got a lot of stuff haven't we we've got
4: um rob mentioned earlier mortal combat we've got a syndicate episode uh, uh, we are going to talk about 3do i think 3do yeah we've got that uh adrian's just had a chat with Stu cambridge um so <laughs> yeah we've got yeah no, there's, there's there's lots of nice things coming up i missed anything
6: electronic arts stuff
4: oh yeah um <laughs> yeah because i've just had a little rant at electronic arts about things fiscal uh yep. but we've we 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 sort of flipped that and we've done a bit of an ea tribute podcast yep. as well just to just so that they don't completely ignore us at egx and stuff
6: so. <laughs> yeah adrian was like we must we must wipe EA off the earth See, and eliminate all traces of its seed. Dan, Ravi, you've got to understand,
5: I had a few beers in me. I was Easy talking done. about how EA destroyed Westwood Studios and Bullfrog. I was a bit grumpy and it, it just slipped out. I don't really mean it. It uh, was this pre-Command and Conquer announcement of the new one oh i know i mean i'm looking forward to that actually the remakes i think they could be really good to be fair yeah
0: well guys your show is at arcadeattack.co.uk people got to check the show out and we've really enjoyed doing this our first crossover episode it's been fun we should definitely do this again guys 100 well we're gonna have
5: you guys on our show
4: if you're great absolutely that's excellent yeah
0: Yeah, brilliant
5: it has been a great laugh thank you so much really enjoyed it then yeah thank you
0: yeah
4: thanks so much for having us um yeah listeners it's really up to you if you really want to check us out uh (laughs) I don't, okay. don't sound too desperate. I don't know. If, I don't. I don't know if we've done ourselves any favors, but yeah, come our way, and um, I'll leave Rob to say though our final words.
6: Why me?
1: <laughs> That's the final word. Yeah. Why me? <laughs>
0: well, guys, keep up the good work with the show. It's been amazing talking to you and reminiscing with you. Thanks for coming up. Cheers, oh, thank guys. Thank you so much. Yeah, all
1: the best. Cheers.